Hello and welcome to the Oslo Raw podcast with me, Tiril Refsum, the founder of the cafe chain and the wellness concept Oslo Raw, which is all about pleasure and finding happiness in the little things. And we want to inspire you to take better care of yourself and have a really good time and especially eat lots of cakes. But this podcast is not only about cakes and pleasure, it's about finding inspiration to be the best of who you are and what we can do together. And today I interviewed a really fantastic man. Uh, He is Mike Viking, and he's one of the most influential happiness researchers in the world. He's author of several books, including the New York Times bestsellers, The Little Book of Hygge, which is my favorite, and The Little Book of Lykke, with uh, more than 1 million copies sold worldwide in more than 35 languages. So, yeah, and he's also the founder and CEO of the Happiness Research Institute. So he knows a great deal about Hygge and pleasure and happiness. So I'm really excited about this episode and I hope you enjoy it. So welcome, Mike. So nice to have you. you here. Good to be here. I want to start with a little quote from your book. Hygge <laughs> um, has been translated as everything from the art of creating intimacy to coziness of the soul, to taking pleasure from the presence of soothing things, to your personal favorite, Cocoa by Candlelight. It's so beautiful. And this really, it inspired me so much when I started my business because I wanted it to be a warm, cozy place for people to find pleasure in the little things. Right. That, is, that is one of the core values of my business. And I see that is success, you know. I never talk about diets or how to become better or faster, but how to find more pleasure. So can I ask you, how do you, can you describe or try to connect the link between Hygge, health and happiness? <laughs> Big question. There's a lot of things, but um, maybe I could start with also adding to the definition you gave there before around Hygge. Um, I, I think Hygge is also the art of creating a nice atmosphere. And I mean, next time I'm in Norway, I have to go to one of your cafes because it sounds like that is also what you're trying to achieve there. And over the past two years, I've become, I've become even more interested in how our surroundings impact how we feel, how it impacts our mood, but also how it impacts our behavior. And I'm sure a lot of you also suddenly find yourself in places that are calm, that are relaxing, that are hygge that has a, a positive impact uh, on, on your mood. So I think, I think it's a really interesting area to explore. So the link between <laughs> happiness and health. <laughs> I mean, there are extensive knowledge on, on all three. Um, my main focus in my career is, is happiness. So as you, you, you are aware that I run something called the Happiness Research Institute here in Copenhagen. And all the projects we do, all my work, my colleagues' work, uh, reports, my books, our talks, are attempts to answer three basic questions. So we try to figure out 
first of all, how can we measure something as weird and fluffy and intangible and subjective as happiness? Secondly, we try to understand why is it that some people are happier than others? And thirdly, how can we improve quality of life? So when we know what we know from studies and data and evidence and science, how should we design our societies differently, our cities differently, our policies differently, our cafes differently, and to have a positive impact on people's well-being? That, that's what we try to do. And health is obviously a big component in happiness. If we are not healthy, if our families are sick, if we ourselves are sick, of course that has uh, a negative impact on our well-being. But we can actually also see that the relationship goes the other way around, that those people that are happy, that are thriving, that have a high level of, of, of well-being, we see a, a lower mortality rate among them. So there has been a quite a few studies in this field and, and overall it looks like happiness keeps people healthy and that it has simply a, a preventive effect. Um, so, so there's a lot of really interesting dynamics uh, between those two areas. Um, so it's, it's, it's one of our main focus areas in, at the Happiness Research Institute. How great. I feel so inspired. I'm, I'm so tired of, you know, talking about green juice and diet. It's a very external thing. It's like you right. fix this and you will feel healthy. But I've done everything. You know, I've done the fasting, I've done the raw food, I've done the vegan, the not vegan, everything. And it only goes this far. It comes to a point where I actually have to embrace life and to feel, not think what I should do or structure the day perfectly. And then I'm, in the end of the day, I'm laying there and just like, what the fuck? What happened? Where I, was I present? You know, right. I had the perfect fasting, you know, Ooh, all the organic juices from God's garden. But still, my heart feels nothing. And I yeah. feel, look myself in the mirror. I'm like, hmm, am I happy? Is this real life? You know, yes, I'm perfect. But where is the pulse? You know, and I can feel a sadness around that. And I see it in my world. We are really struggling for perfectionism. and it's killing joy and it's actually killing our bodies because we are tense and we are you know always on alert and our nervous system is so on fire and especially for us women it's really 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 difficult to live and to run businesses and to be happy you know and to to manage everything and i i want to lift this theme up you know how can we go into health and feel pleasure <clears throat> by, you know, relaxing and taking care of ourselves. So right. yes, we know we can become more healthy if we feel happy, but if we're really not happy, how do we create higgly situations and atmospheres that can guide us into more pleasure? Yeah. Okay, again, a lot to un unpack. <laughs> it's such, such a big theme. Yeah, just... <laughs> no, so, so I wanted to start with talking about how we define health. Uh, because I, I think you are spot on in terms of a too narrow focus on physical health. So if, if we look at the World Health Organization, their original definition of health, I think it was defined back in 1948. It was not the absence of disease, but it's full 
physical, mental, and social well-being. And I think too often we focus too much on the physical aspect, which is tremendously important, but so is the mental aspect and so is the social aspect. And for instance, when we look at large studies, and we can take a study that have been conducted in Europe with uh, around 140,000 people that have been followed since 2002 in 27 European countries. So it's a large group of people over a long period of time. And during such a long period of time, they are asked all sorts of questions about their health, but also about their life satisfaction. And because it's a large group over a long period of time, people are diagnosed with different diseases, you know, Parkinson and different sorts of cancer and Alzheimer's and whatnot. And then we look at how does those different diseases impact life satisfaction or happiness. And we can see loneliness and mental illnesses are some of the things that, that impact people sometimes far bigger than some of the more physical um, diseases that, 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 that people fall ill to. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we need to widen the definition of health. Um, health is thriving not only physically, but also mentally and socially. So part of my health is also seeing my friends. It's, it's a sense of connection. It's a sense of community. Um, and, and, and that is as important for me to cultivate as the physical aspect. Um, sometimes we're able to combine the two uh, and even the three. So personally, I, I play tennis uh, quite often, very badly, uh, but I've been playing for, for 20 years together with a good friend and, and we play at the, at the same bad level. Um, and it brings so much quality of life to my life uh, because yes, it is exercise, but I don't think of it as exercise. I think of it as an hour of playtime. It's fun. I want to hit the ball. I want to get it on, 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 uh, on his court. And it's a way for me to connect with a friend of mine. I see him now two or three times a week because of tennis. And um, when I play tennis, my full focus is on that goddamn ball I'm trying to hit. And it also means that that little voice most of us have in the back of our mind is for one silent. So I'm not, not questioning all the decisions I made in my life. I'm not worrying about tomorrow and my to-do list and what I need to do before whatever. I'm just fully present. So that's actually a quite pleasant state to be in, to be fully focused. It's what scientists sometimes refer to as being in flow. Um, so it has a, a, a nice mental well-being aspect there is a social aspect and yes then there is a physical aspect also in terms of it being exercise um, and i think exploring activities like that is 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 really important in in denmark we also sometimes refer to the um abc for mental health and and that is doing something active doing something meaningful and doing something together with other people so so finding sweet spots like that i think um, is is very important. But what is it about hot drinks, you know, and cakes, and you know, th those chapters are really nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think. I mean, it's. I think it's it's several things. So, uh, 
I'm, I'm going to get, I'm going to let some of my readers answer those, that question because um, I, I receive a lot of letters from readers from around the world, which is really nice and sort of give perspective on Hugo from, from their side. And I remember one French mother wrote me uh, that she'd been having Hugo all her life. She just didn't know there was a word for it. Um, and what was interesting is, you know, earlier she, she wrote, she might've had an afternoon with her two kids and they would have been on the, on the sofa with some, some cakes or some treats and, and sort of blankets and, 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 and having a sort of uh, a quiet uh, afternoon. And she would have called that and thought of that as a lazy afternoon. Mm. Now she calls it a hugely afternoon. And I think it's, 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 it's really interesting that just by defining it differently, using a different word, we sort of remove the guilt there was in that activity, which should be nice. You're spending time with your kids. They're having tea, they're having treats. That is what is great for kids, you know, to spend time with their parents and, and sort of being in a, in a, in a, in a warm uh, glow of, of, you know, being a family. Of course, that should be a nice thing. Why should we feel guilty about that? So I think, I think Hugo did that. It removed the guilt from what should be a, a nice activity. And then secondly, I think it's, you know, sometimes a way to slow down time. Um, the savoring of simple pleasures, of treats, of hot chocolate, of cake, um, but also sort of the atmosphere atmosphere you can create in certain settings. And, and here I'm reminded of a Canadian journalist I spoke with a, a few years ago who had read the little book of Hugo and because of the focus on lighting and candles and, and so on in the book in terms of creating an atmosphere, he went out and he bought some chandeliers and he started to light candles for dinner at home. Uh, and, and he and his wife have three teenage sons, at least they were teenagers a few years ago. And uh, Yannick, as he is called, uh, the journalist, when, when he started to light the candles for dinner, the boys, they started to tease him. Right? Dad, what's going on with the candles? Do you want to have some romantic time with mom? Should we leave? Um, but then he says, uh, bit after bit, the boys, they started to light the candles for dinner. So it became this ritual of now it's family time, it's dinner time. They started to light the candles. And the most important takeaway, I think, from that story was he, say, he says their family dinners now last longer, 15 to 20 minutes longer, because the candles, the atmosphere, puts the boys in a storytelling mood. So now they sit down, they eat their dinner, they sip their wine, they talk about their day, instead of just sitting down and shoveling down their food. And I think that's the power of some of the simple things, you know, little changes in our surroundings, in how we interact, in how we design the spaces we function in, that has an impact on how a family interacts. And no, candles are not going to save the world. And we need to, of course, also air out when we do light candles. But I think it's, 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 it's a powerful, you know, example of, of how being mindful of our surroundings has an impact on our behavior and, and basically our mood. 
it's such a small, such a tiny thing to do, but has a huge effect. Imagine if everybody was a little bit more higgly towards oneself, you know, light the candle for, you know, when I wake up, I lit the candle for me, like, because I think about everybody all the time. I have a little baby, you know, and I have businesses and uh, I'm married and there's so much happening around and I forget like me. And imagine if everybody does did that candle for oneself every day just like hello Tiril I'm here for me I'm your best friend imagine how big effect that would have on the planet because yes we have everything we need but we are actually really stressed a lot of us and we're not that happy sometimes but we are not taking care of happiness and the real valuable things which are our relationship to ourselves and others but just that, you know, these small things can have a huge effect on our society and on our planet. We are very like, oh, I'm going to save the world. I'm going to go out and clean the ocean of plastic, you know, which is great. But it's a huge thing and it's not for everyone. But creating, finding pleasure in the little things can actually be a very effective way to make other lives better, you know. Because if we are happy and finding a relief you know in our bodies and we're like ah, i'm present and then it, that is the greatest gift for everyone that sure. is always what i focus on in my cafes like that it must be the most important thing it's yeah sure. it's it's plant-based yeah it's nice it's all good but what do you feel you know how is the texture you know with the porcelain of the cup you know when you hold it the heat of it um the taste the texture of the food you know the silky soft chocolate and suddenly the mind just stops you just feel just present if that isn't health then i'm like nothing is you know because our busy minds are fucking with us so intensely and that it's talking non-stop and it's not giving us peace and we need to watch it so we can use like Hygge as uh, like a tool to come back to the present moment and like, oh, because some, for some people just meditating is impossible because it's too damn hard to just sit still. But if we can focus on something really nice, then can, we can feel just it's calming down. That's what I'm doing every day. You know, when I have a cup of tea, really, you know, sit with it. And I can just... Feel like my body is coming down maybe even i'm avoiding diseases in long term by doing that every day because it's not healthy to run around like a crazy woman <laughs> so yeah so it has a bigger effect than it, it sounds small but i i believe it's huge yeah and and, and i also think there are positive side effects from this um in terms of environmentalism, in terms of less consumption. Um, I think one of the biggest threats to capitalism and overconsumption is happiness. You know, it's a lot of our consumption is based on the false promise that a certain product is going to give us that happiness that have been escaping us. Um, But if we are able to find happiness in in simple pleasures if we are able to remove the price tag a lot of us feel there is unhappiness that that i think could fundamentally also shift our consumption pattern um i i try to look for sources of happiness that are free 
um, in, in, in my personal life. And, and one uh, thing I, I, I do a lot uh, together with my, my girlfriend is we take long walks. So fortunately, we, we both really like to, to go hiking, to go walking. And that is, to me, a, a tremendous source of well-being, of enjoyment that is free. Again, it's good for your health and also for your, for your mental well-being. But it's, it's also something that you can always enjoy. Whether you are rich or poor, whether you have a lot of money or nothing, you can always enjoy a nice hike in a beautiful uh, area. Um, so I think identifying activities, identifying which things do I enjoy that gives me pleasure, that gives me enjoyment, that gives me quality of life, that are essentially free. I think, I think being mindful of those areas, perhaps even writing down so we have a, a to-do list when, when we're feeling down or when we're feeling um, broke, um, I think that that is um, a good advice. And usually when we start to take care of ourselves and, you know, check, you, you have an emergency HIG uh, book yeah, yeah. In, in your book, a toolbox or something. Yeah. And if we break the spiral, the negative spiral is like, oh, I'm really stressed and I'm just starting to tidy the house when it's actually tidy and I'm just going on the loop and just say, stop, okay, pick up that note or that HIG toolbox, an emergency kit, you know, and it's like, okay, stop it, you know, sit down feel you know something you know the blanket the texture of the nice soft clothes you know and then we start to shift and suddenly it changes our environment around for example i'm running around stressing about everything should be perfect and you know, why is it there oh, and my dogs start to bark really loudly like rah, 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 rah. everybody starts to run around and my baby's like you like shut up you know and i'm like where is this coming from it starts from inside of me I feel it. I know it that I'm in that moment in charge of that mess. So to we we to come back, you know, and to stop and to have some tools when it starts to go crazy and you see like you do stuff that you just do because you are out of sync. So that that's such a good point to have a list. Like okay, what works for me? For somebody, it's like go out and run. For some people. It's just sitting down and writing, you know, journaling, get all the feelings out. What I do sometimes is just I take my phone up and I just talk to it, like in the um, recording, like, just get all the thoughts out. And I'm like, oh my God, it's such a mess. I'm happy I got that out, you know? So I'm guess it's clean inside if we just go internally with stuff all the time. Right. Yeah. And another thing, I call a friend, as you said, being with a friend is sometimes the most effective way to just come back and these are little things that we all can do it's for free and it's it's i believe it can change societies in a very sweet way yeah and i think that has also been one of the enjoyments in 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 writing about hugo seeing how many people from so many different cultures and countries have embraced it um embraced connectivity with other people, simple pleasures, um, and, and so on. And, and yeah, to, to me, Hugo is, is now a, a global phenomenon. And of course, Hugo has existed in a lot of places uh, before there was the sort of um, a word that described that situation. I think that is what was at one point uniquely Danish and Norwegian. We had a word that described that situation, but of course it happened 
and uh, existed in, in France and Canada and, and so on before that. But I think having a word that describes the situation makes it, um, make us more aware of it. Um, and I think what is uniquely Danish and, and, and Norwegian or Scandinavian is also the value that we give that activity. Um, and I think, especially for Denmark, we see it as part of sort of the national DNA or national culture or national value. And I also put that in the book. I think that perhaps we see Hugo the same way that Americans see freedom as something inherently Danish slash American. Um, so I think talking Hugo up, talking pleasure up, talking simple pleasures up um, is, is really important. It's so, it's so, it's so beautiful. I'm like, oh, I'm so inspired to just do it more. It's so, it's all available all the time. Um, yeah, so actually what you said about not, because the lazy part, I've been so judgmental of myself when I'm not doing anything. So like, like a really just get up to you know, you have to work harder. Oh, you're doing nothing. That's not okay. But if it could help the mind, you know, to say that this is good for my health to have a higgy and pleasure. Mm. You know, I, I guess you could measure it in, the, in the, our hormone system, you know, even to see the race of oxytocin, you know, when we really just have a good time with friends or alone, or it's very, very, very healthy. And I want to emphasize this because I know many listeners are really, really stressed and need touchdown to, to, to have life force energy for our entire life. We are burning up because we are really, really stressed. And yeah. I don't look at quick fixes. I don't look at perfect diets or anything, but these things that you are saying are actually really simple and accessible for everyone, anytime. Yes. Great. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think we agree a lot. Yeah. I love your books. I'm like, it's, it's like a little Bible. And I love your new book, not, not the new book, but the, the first book, Hygge, um, it was in my first cafe, really like on the shelf, like, doo -doo. and then I saw the next book coming, like, Lika, like, oh, but this is all connected. Right. And, and yeah, it's so, um, so happy that you wrote those books. Yeah. Do you have any last tips for, um, to make life more higgly? I think, I mean, I think perhaps also not overthinking it and not thinking of Hugo as a doctrine or a dogma or another sort of to-do list that you have to do in the correct way. Um, you know, I think it's been interesting to see, especially international journalists call me and say, okay, if I want Hugo in my life, what's the first five things I should do? or what's the first thing I should buy or if I only have 15 minutes to Hugo, how do I do it on the go and and I think they're, they they're not doing it right um, or, or, or going about it in the wrong way so it's about giving ourselves a break uh, and I think we all need a break especially in these days uh, turbulent times and people are worried about health and job security and whatnot um, I think it's just giving yourself your adult overachiever always trying to be perfect always wanting to do more better and faster um a break um because that, 
that's what we all need. And you know, we all have good days, we all have bad days. Um, some days are more productive than others. Um, that's part of life. And we can also see that when we follow people over time, there's ups and downs. Hopefully there is a lot of happiness in our lives, but there will also be times of uncertainty and heartbreak and failure and misery. And that's part of the human experience. And I think, you know, finding those pockets of pleasure where we try and enjoy our, our daily lives through simple pleasures and connectivity and good old fun uh, is really important, especially in these days. And even embracing the negative feelings, you know, we are really, I have judged negative feelings really of my entire life. Don't be sad. Don't be angry. Just be happy. And what happens is that I'm really depressed because I'm not allowing the totality of myself. And I see that in the world, people are really depressed, like a flat. They keep it just like a machines, flat, not really happy or sad because it's so depressed, all the feelings. So a big part of Hygge and Lykke for me is actually embracing all parts of myself. Because if the sadness are lifted up, I feel happy and relieved in some way. Like, oh, it's space for it. To contain all feelings is a direct link to Lykke, I feel. Um, and if, if I feel sad or premenstrual or whatever, you know, things happen. To make a higgly situation for me to embrace those feelings that are not perfect or my ego wants. And then suddenly I make space for others to feel all kinds of feelings. And may, we, maybe we can even avoid suicide, you know, because we, it goes that far because we don't allow negative feelings to come up and they become huge because we're not expressing them. And I just right. want to touch on that as well on the end here, because it is not about being happy. It is about taking care of ourselves, actually. And because I feel, as you said in the books or in an interview, like we are born happy, you know, everybody, we have this natural trust and joy for life. And if we just make space for those waves of negative feelings, that joy will always come back, you know, and it's very close all the time. But it's not that excitement, you know, that high feeling. It's more of a peace and acceptance, you know, of our being and what's what's in the moment well said <laughs> i'm so happy that you chatted with me today and shared your stories and yeah Likewise, we could talk forever this is but you can just read the books uh, if you if you want to because these are amazing thank you oh, and I'll, I'll, so I'll drop by uh, when when i'm in oslo next time you're very welcome. Hot chocolate with whipped cream. Very good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, maybe you found some inspiration to be more relaxed and invite pleasure and hygge and all the little things in life that makes us happy. So I wish you a beautiful day and see you soon.